Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, you probably know artist Alicia Wormsley for the Billboard in East Liberty that, like the rest of her work, reimagines Black life in the future. But her latest exhibit feels very different. It's colorful, it's peaceful, and almost divinely feminine. Like someone's giving me a warm hug. And that's by design. I got a chance to talk with Alicia about how she's creating a healing space for Black women through her art and her influence. It's Thursday, February 17th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Alicia, you've got an exhibit at Concept Art Gallery in Regent Square right now. It's called Remnants of an Advanced Technology. Can you describe the exhibit? So a uh, concept gallery is a, you know, commercial gallery, but, but mostly they have like a collection of antiques and, and um, older art that they auction and, and sell. And so when you walk into the space, um, I have two video, I have a two channel video uh, in the window of the gallery. And it is from my archive, uh, Children of Nan archive. And Nan is the most use syllable for mother in African dialects. And um, turn left, you go into this large gallery space and you see um, 22 small quilts. They kind of look like prayer flags and they're suspended in air. There's also glass altars. They're like stained glass 3D. Um, They almost look like planters, like that you put plants in or terrariums, things like that. And they're, I call them mini shrines. And they're shrines to the women in the images and the quilts. You know, the tapestries, these quilts, which are like maps. The tapestries to me are like these circuits, this like, you know, kind of technology. And then these vessels, the the stained glass bowls, wanted to add that and really just like create these objects that represent survival and like power and uh, ritual and the sacred, right? That is like black women. Yeah, I. That's one thing that I've noticed. So I, I mean, I grew up in Pittsburgh. So unfortunately, I grew up Catholic. Um, but now I'm at a point in my life where I feel like I'm exploring more as far as spirituality, and I realize like a lot of your art has those spiritual influences. I notice the altars, um, and that's something that I'm kind of just right now learning about. So how has your spiritual journey, I guess? influenced your art? Well, um, I mean, a lot of that is just from, I did cultural anthropology in school and I focused on uh, sacred spaces um, from the diaspora and how that like sacred movement, because I grew up in a church, I grew up in a Baptist church. My grandmother was like a deaconess. You, you grew up here in Pittsburgh? I grew up in Pittsburgh and um, both of my parents actually are from Sewickley. Uh-huh. And um, and I grew up in, you know, I grew up in Baptist church uh, that both of my grandmothers went to. My sister's like the minister of music for that. They're, you know, it's like a big part of my life. And I always just kind of felt like I always questioned it a lot. Um, I always questioned because in my in my family, both sides of my family, the power is in with the women and in Christianity, it's it's so patriarchal. And yes. so like there's something like I couldn't I couldn't connect to. Yeah. Why is Pittsburgh a good place to kind of like share your ideas and your views on the past and the present? I feel like it's like 
a great merger for for what you create. Yeah, totally. Um, well, you know, Pittsburgh has like its ruins. One, it's just like perfect backdrop for the apocalypse for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, like, and then, and then also, uh, and then it also has its like intense gentrification spaces and, you know, and a, a really rich legacy of uh, black history that I was raised to like be aware of and know. And like, and so I think, yeah. And I also think, you know, we also, it's like a, one of the industrial cities right so that kind of that whole era of like kind of these like robber barons and what happens to a city and like what happens you know even like I'm at Carnegie Mellon right now it's like two of the top so I think um you know it's been like a, a great landscape for me to really think about and also think about you know you just drive around you can see time right you time travel like go to Homewood there are certain parts of Homewood that look you know, like they've been overgrown. They're completely, you know, there could be a completely different time. Yeah. The areas where, where like the, the earth is basically reclaiming its, its space. Yeah. And there's also like areas where businesses went out of business 40 years ago and still, still empty storefronts, neighborhoods that haven't been gentrified or don't have the income. And, you know, those kinds of places are really telling. And, and so that I think that has, has been helpful and led my practice. I find a lot of beauty in that. Um, I, I always find myself, it's funny, I was looking at a lot of your, your art and it's places where I've gone to to take pictures because I just find it, I don't know, something haunting about it, something very familiar. Um, same thing, I kind of, I didn't grow up in Homewood, but I grew up um, in Garfield initially, then moved to Wilkinsburg and um, because of crime, so not because of gentrification, but now it's interesting to see. But um, you had your billboard, there will be black people in the future. There are black people in the future. There are black people in the future. Um, in East Liberty, and I find it just kind of like ironic, you know, this was a few years ago, but ironic that it was taken down and then put back up, but like of all places in East Liberty. Is that like one of those times where you feel like life is kind of imitating art? Yeah, I mean, I I made that uh, phrase, I I started that body of work in Homewood when I was um, doing, I had a residency with the Warhol, and it was like a special project. They was the Homewood Artist Residency, and then I later took that residency over and was um, and directed it and and did a bunch of projects in Homewood uh, for for five six years. But um, that I made that phrase there, and I did you know, and it was just because we were I was working on these films like the Children of Nan film I told you about, and Homewood had uh, incredible sets, right? But then. And I didn't even think about it. I was just making, I was like, oh, this is perfect. It kind of looks apocalypsey, like da-da-da-da. But then I started working with middle and high school students, and they wanted to make zombie films. <laughs> and because it was like Walking Dead was big at the time. And they were walking around Homewood, and they're like, oh, this is perfect. It looks like Walking Dead. And I was like, damn, this is our neighborhood. Like, why? <laughs> you know, we, start, we started talking about it. And then also I'm showing them all these sci-fi films that inspired me. And, you know, and some of them, uh, I showed them, you know, they like, I showed them some films from like that early Afrofuturist filmmaking st was just happening then, you know, it was like 2011. 
And the students were like, there's no black people in any of these sci-fi films, except for these shorts that you're showing us that just were made, you know? And I'm like, it's so true. And and then like kids are, you know, kids are getting killed. Like there's still violence. And, you know, somebody's coming into class and their brother got shot. Like all, you know, or, or and things are happening, you know, in the public, it's starting, you know, with police violence, police murdering black men. and and boys and women and girls and like all you know so like um that started and I just was like really frustrated and I was like you know what I was like ranting and like crying to my partner and I was like there are black people in the future you know and and then it just kind of stuck and I I made like the first installation at the Homewood Coliseum and it was like all these I got all these old TVs and built this huge structure and the TVs would show different clips from the archive and then it would like at some point it would all black out and then it would flash there are black people in the future like each word would be on each tv and on a different tv and that was like in you know the mayor had his inaugural party at the homewood coliseum and took a picture in front of that text and and no one said anything it wasn't a big deal until it was on a billboard years later six years later at in a liberty and these developers just like couldn't handle it they you know the fact that that they would even think that it had anything to do with them shows their guilt shows their you know that they're not they're not using equitable d- development practices of course and like that they would even think that 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 is about them right you know that my my prayer like my mantra for us is has anything to do with them is just like t- really telling but for me i feel like your art it shows black people and black women in a light that isn't traumatic and, you know, just showing our pain, you know, it's, I find it very healing. I find it very peaceful. Is that your intention with your art to create that sort of space? Yeah. You know, when I, I see black women, I just see power, you know, like I just feel this like, um, and I, and I, um, they're not all women too. It's non-binary and, um, but all the people that perform and collaborate with me, they are, you know, healers and they practice reciprocity and connect to the earth. And not that they, their lives aren't, you know, a part of this, of what it is to be black in America. Not that they don't feel that terror, right? But beyond that terror, they are like these really powerful beings that, you know, are focused on healing and focus on raising liberated children and focus on, you know, making sure that there's more equity in the world. Mm -hmm. We can make any world we want, but the only way we have to be able to imagine it, right? And if we're not, um, if we're just imagining all this dystopia, all this terror, all this, we're just reacting, you know, then then how are we going to get to the next place? just reacting just surviving I feel like that's generally where we where we tend to find ourselves but also where our society tends to put us so it's nice to think that you know we're doing the work and healing and it's a process but um also wanted to talk to you about about the uh, residency artist and residency program that you've created Sybil Shrine so can you tell us like a little bit more about that and the investment in the future of of other rising artists Sure. Um, I mean, since I became a mother, I have a a 12-year-old stepdaughter and I have a six-year-old son. son. 
uh, actually gender non-conforming child. And, um, you know, my career before that, I had like residencies and I was kind of doing a lot of projects, traveling a lot. Like, and when I got pregnant, everybody was like, oh, I guess you're not coming <laughs> or I guess you can't do this. And I was like, I can't, I, you know. And um, so, you know, and then that kind of like wool had been lifted over my eyes, you know, and I just started seeing things. I started seeing like how my students at Westinghouse who were teen moms, how they had been treated, brilliant artists, like, you know, they couldn't, they had to go to like dental school. They're like being realistic. So I just started like taking my kid everywhere, meetings, <laughs> all, I was like, you know what, like, that's what I'm going to do. And I, and I also was like, I, I wanted to shift the Homewood Artist Residency, you know, like I, I, I wasn't in that neighborhood as much. I felt like it wasn't, like I didn't have the time because I was a young mother, you know, a new mother, not a young mother. I was actually an old mother, but advanced mother, you know, and I just was like, how, how can I support? And then There Are Black People in the Future happened. And then we started the grant program with There Are Black People in the Future. And most of the women who got the grant, they did things for black mothers. Mm -hmm. And I just started thinking, like, if I really want there to be black people in the future, we have to, like, really support black women. Alicia, thank you again. Thank you for your art. Thank you for making time for CityCast Pittsburgh. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for this conversation. And um, I'm happy to do it. And before you go, a little more news. From now on, outdoor dining and retail will be more permanent in the city. City Council approved a new permitting process for restaurants and stores that want to take advantage of sidewalk and street space. I like being outside, but there is something a little disturbing about eating my truffle fries beside a speeding car. But, you know, I'll get used to it. And last night, I checked out the new incarnation of The Moth. It's called Story Club Pittsburgh. I didn't get my shit together fast enough to get on the mic for open mic, but I'm definitely going to work up the courage soon. You can check out these brave storytellers every third Tuesday of the month at Alphabet City on the north side. And Sidney Crosby scored his 500th goal at home this week. Ah, His parents are just excited as I am. They were crying in the stands. And fun fact, Sid's first goal ever was against the Flyers. His 500th goal also against the Flyers. So take that, Philly. That's it for CityCast Pittsburgh. Our lead producer is Matt Stroud. Megan Harris makes the show. Our newsletter writer is Francesca DeBecco. And our host is me, Morgan Moody. Music is by Benji. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. It's at pittsburgh.citycast.fm. We'll be back Tuesday with more news from around the city. We'll see you then. Back that thing up.